0: Welcome to Reset with Tom, the podcast. I'm Tom Metcalf, and each week I'll be sitting down to chat with an inspirational guest, talking all things life and what it is that defines each and every one of us. This is realness to the core, unfiltered, all cards on that table. Now, everyone has a superpower, everyone has been seen as motivational by someone else, and that's the point of this pod making you realize that you are a badass superhero and you should be taking pride in that and talking about your unique story, yes. Right, let's get straight on it. Today, I am joined by someone who I met earlier this year on a very mm, eventful trip to Central America. She is a machine who ceases to amaze me with her incredible need and passion to help others. The list of achievements is endless for this athlete. Not only did she start up her own business, Slalom Inspires, but she has also succeeded in leaving her mark in the canoeing world. A World Cup silver medal at age 18, fourth Senior World Championships 2017, numerous team events covering Senior World Championships, two-time European Champions, two-times under 23 World Champions, and four-times under 23 European Champions. British number one in 2022, three time Scottish champion, featuring in the Edinburgh University Hall of Fame 2018, and their female athlete of the year 2017. Oh my God, I could keep going, but I feel like I need to hear from you, you legend. You are fierce, Ailey Gibson, and now you're here on the podcast. You made it. How are ya, Ailey? I'm great,
1: Tom. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, that was that was all a bit much just straight off the bat, but um, but yeah, I'm really excited to be here.
0: I know it's mad. I always go a bit lightheaded headed after it because I think I forget to breathe as well because it's it's <laughs> a lot to read out, which is amazing.
1: This is true. I didn't quite switch to read them all. Though. I just thought you'd like pick your favorites, but okay. <laughs> Love it.
0: <laughs> no, I did. There were some I couldn't include, but come on, we've got to shower ourselves in our achievements. And, and sometimes it's good to just hear them, you know, hear them read back to us. And you're absolutely smashing it. So I mentioned briefly there that obviously we met earlier this year on the other side of the world in Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yes. So you were already, I'm trying to think. So I was probably about five, six days into my month of backpacking. And what about you?
1: I, I think I was about three weeks in. Um, and I think how we met was like very, it just sums you up. Because we'd, I'd come to a hostel and I'd, I'd arrived on my own and had checked in and gone into my room. And I remember coming out of my room thinking, oh, I'll go... I'll go to the supermarket and get some food to make for dinner. And you saw me and you were like, are you coming? <laughs> and I was like, where are we going? You were like, oh, there's a bunch of us going to watch the sunset. Like, you should come. And I was like, oh, like, that's so nice that someone would just say, you know, to a random person on their own, come with us. So I feel like that's re- very reminiscent of you.
0: I remember it very clearly as well. I remember you looked really scared, I think. Because <laughs> I think I... We were quite rushed because obviously, you know, the sunsets, it's on a timer, but we were trying to, I was trying to get people together because I'd done it the night before with people who had left the hostel and wanted to do it again. So I was just rounding people up and I think I just cornered you and you were coming out of your room. Are you coming? <laughs> Where? Caught off
1: guard. And then I was really cold and you gave me your jacket because it was really windy.
0: It was. Well, that was a lovely sunset. That was, it was a good start. I remember walking there as well because there were about six, five or six of us weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stopped at a shop to get uh, just to get like a drink or whatever. And do you remember we were in the queue and I actually didn't really know anything about you at this point, but I said, oh, you're English, aren't you? And you were like, no. <laughs> 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 Do you remember that? All these things are so vivid in my mind. <laughs>
1: that that does. I actually had forgotten that, but I was probably way too rude. <laughs> that was probably quite offensive. Like, absolutely not. I am not English.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! as she should be proud, Scott. But that was just so funny. <laughs> I wasn't even joking. Like, I generally just thought for a minute. I was like, is she? But no. Obviously, when I started hearing you talk, I could very much tell you were north of the border. But yeah, it was such a good little time. I mean, my travels were a lot shorter than yours, but that night, um, because sometimes you're just with people for yeah. such short periods of time, and we had this really unique little group of all sorts of people. And it was actually just a very like nice, actually vulnerable experience, you know, because we went out that that night. We had lots of all of us had lots of deep discussions and
1: we had, we had that one, and I think the cluster was just super quiet. There was maybe like six or seven of us, and we just all sat around. There was like someone from the Czech Republic, someone from Chile, a German girl, a German guy, you and I. And yeah, we just like had this such a nice conversation. And I think, so I've been asking people on my travels what the dream is. Because I think I was, well, I was one a little bit lost as to what I was doing. Um, But also I just thought that, that, you know, it started cool conversations because it was nice to see people like talking about what they're passionate about. Sometimes someone would be working in whatever, but actually the dream is to be a music producer or some people are living the dream. Um, and everyone's was so different and I remember we asked that and then we just had such a lovely conversation like with all of us and as you said it was really vulnerable I really really enjoyed that that was one of my favorite nights of the whole traveling I think
0: do you think it was is extremely special that was I think that gave me a like such an inclin- inclination of you as a person as well it was very like comfortably forward and obviously we're in a group of people who are different levels of confidence and whatnot and that's there's not like a normal discussion you just sit down and have with people mm. what was it that you said remind me
1: um it was funny as well because so I was away for four and a half months and I asked people you know from the very start to the very end that question I mean not all the time it wasn't like grilling people but <laughs> <a dream. laughs> yeah. tell me no.
0: just the locals as well
1: yeah um, but I kind of think mine like changed throughout. So I think at the start it was, I was, I really didn't know. And I thought, Oh, I, I think I would like to run like an international charity. I think that's where I was when I met you. And then by the end, Oh, it's funny to like, look back on this now. Cause I got home like six months ago, but I think by the end it was like, you know, I want to feel like I'm living a life where I'm like actively choosing what I'm doing I don't get like you know stuck in a job because that's what everyone does or settle down because that's what everyone does I want to be like actively choosing what I'm doing with my life and because the dream might change throughout but you know if I'm making active choices then then I'm always going to be choosing something that's towards my dream
0: I don't know it is interesting because like you say you you go into traveling in a different head in a different head space. And that, as you're progressing through that, you're changing. Thereby, also your your dream is evolving as well f- through the people you meet or your own internal wonders. Because hell, there's so many of them when you're traveling. Yeah, I
1: know. You, it's just this like wild roller coaster between like experiencing, you know, things that you're just pinching yourself, and then just utter.
0: <laughs> Shit. Carnage. Yeah. It is. It's it's mad. And that conversation on that stormy night in Monteverde, that's what birthed this. That's what birthed Reset with Tom is you asking that question. Because I remember being sat there and I remember listening to some of the others first and I was just fascinated. I think someone wanted to live out in the forest and just have a really stripped back organic lifestyle and someone else, you know, filmmaker, which we've spoken about before, he really wanted to focus on, his dream was to put the attention to, you know, um, abusive relationships with uh, with women. And he wanted to make that film and, you know, hearing people's passions and stuff. And then I, I think I kind of just spoke as my mind was thinking and I was very much just like, I want to make people happy, I want to figure out a way that I can just live my life and do that as as work, as everything, because really that's that's so fundamental to me, is I want people to experience the same change as I did, and just have people just own themselves and and, and live this life just however they want, the best way, so that was incredible.
1: I remember you said uh, you want to share stories where people feel like they can be that people feel like they're seen, and um, and I really like that. I think that that has stuck a lot with me because that is important. You need to, if you don't feel seen, ex- hearing something or watching something or meeting someone where you know you you do feel seen to your core, that's that can be life changing.
0: So life changing. And it is, yeah, for so many people. And it is this whole thing of being seen. You've got to see yourself first. But then once you start meeting people and showing up and being completely honest and authentic, uh, it's really, really special. So that was just such a beautiful, I mean, it was, it was only two days. Was it two days? Was it even two no, you nights? Left, that, you
1: left the next, no, no, you left the next day.
0: It was, a, yeah, it was like a less than a 24-hour thing. That, yeah. we caught up. A few days later, um somewhere else, didn't we? But it's just crazy how we all went out that night, and you know I drank a lot, and that kind of <laughs> then had to get the bus boat bus journey to La Fortuna the next day, oh my gosh. And I didn't have the bus arrived. Do you remember I didn't have time to clean up my 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 breakfast plate and you were like hold oh, to it? Oh yeah. So it's yeah. so, so lovely. Thank you.
1: And then you were like so you just you were like, oh no, I can't possibly let you it was like washing up like a bowl and a spoon or something. And then you'd message me later being like, Oh I just feel so bad about not washing up. It's like Tom, shall I? I can do
0: that. It's a spoon. Yeah. I know, I know. My head was so scattered that day though because of the alcohol, but Yes, and then we we met up uh, in La Fortuna, which is still in Costa Rica, because uh, that was about two days. And again, we met more awesome people yeah, and we had a lovely group that was really fun. We did a lot of walking, <laughs> so much bloody walking, so much walking, and yes, yeah, all the waterfalls and did the Tarzan swing in the in the little canyon, not canyon. What is it? Pool. A wee river yeah yeah, yeah we river yeah just such, just such good times i think your trip was obviously so much longer
1: that's because yours was
0: unfortunately <laughs> abruptly <laughs> cut off i know i know but i'm fully healed now my <laughs> yeah mine was mine was uh definitely cut short but Luckily, you made it through yours <laughs> without any broken bones or...
1: Despite also having night terrors. Oh! Um, haven't haven't quite... Did you not know that?
0: I forgot. You tried to escape, didn't you, from the host- that hostel yeah. that night?
1: <laughs> well, luckily, I didn't throw myself out of bed and break my elbow.
0: <laughs> Touché. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes to the night terror club. mm that hadn't happened for so long, but I think because your senses are in over overdrive, every day there's so much going on. So obviously your sleep is more it's just that feeling of being in a room with strangers than just being like, you know, ah or like yeah. you know, mom. Or just like <laughs> however it happens, but oh my gosh, yeah, you try to escape.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there was there was a bad one as well in Nicaragua where I walked past reception the next morning and I had heard a few people saying like, oh, was, did someone try and break in last night? They were asking the receptionist. They're like, because someone was screaming. <laughs> and I walked past thinking like, oh, that was probably
0: me, but I'm just going to keep quiet. <laughs> someone was screaming. Oh, good fun. Oh my gosh. It is worrying though that no one comes to like the screaming person's mm. aid. I yeah have fractured my elbow with Maeve in that cabin on that volcanic island and she said, I, she'd never experienced screaming, she said like that, because I'd thrown myself and, <laughs> oh gosh, it was a crime scene, but no one, there isn't really anyone around, but there was someone in the cabin next to us, but it was like death screaming.
1: Yeah. You think people would be more worried or
0: maybe people are just like, Oh God, I don't, if someone's being murdered, I don't want to. Vote. Yeah. Just yeah. be quiet. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so your trip was a lot longer. So what just, just tell us like in a nutshell, what were you going into the traveling? What, what was the goal? Did it just happen out did it come out of thin air? How did you come out of it in the end? Just talk us through.
1: You know, when you're an athlete, you just, you can't, you can't go traveling. You can't take that much time off. Or, you know, maybe if you'd won the Olympics and then you'd want to have a break afterwards, but I hadn't been to the Olympics. So, and still very much wanted to go. But then in 2020, in 2019, I'd had shoulder and knee surgery and it was just such a bad year and I was in such a bad place like, mentally. And we have GB trials in uh, kind of late March, early April. And I, just realized that I was not going to be able to race trials. Like my shoulder was too sore. I couldn't kneel. So I kneel in my boat and I couldn't actually get my knee to flex enough to actually get into my boat. So around February, I just was like a bit broken. And I said to my team, like, I think I, I am going to pull out of trials. And then I was like, Oh, like screw it. I'm just going to go away and go traveling. Like I haven't, I don't want to be around when trials are happening. So I looked, I was just looking at flights and there was cheap. The cheapest flights were to Namibia or Guatemala Um, And I got my vaccinations for Namibia. And then I just, there was like something that was like in my brain. And I was just thinking, is it going to be easier to solo travel in Guatemala? So I was like, okay. And then I decided to go to Guatemala. And then I was going to do, I'm going to do like a little tour in Guatemala and then do three weeks in Costa Rica. Uh, And then COVID happened. And I remember, I really clearly remember Central America, or Guatemala was cl- closed its borders to anyone from the E from the, from Europe. And I was just so devastated. And obviously like, I, I, we didn't know what was going to happen. Like we were just so naive to, to think. So I was going to lose my money on the tour and da, da da, And then of course everything was canceled. And I went back to my parents for lockdown. So about two weeks before I was going to go, I started learning Spanish and I mean, because I didn't learn Spanish at school, I did French and German at school. So I was like, well, I'll get the very basics." So I just went on Duolingo. And then, of course, we had lockdown, I actually really enjoyed learning Spanish. So during lockdown, I just kept learning Spanish. And then I went back and back to canoeing and stuff like that. But always now it was in my mind to, to go to Central America. And I think I did a bit more research and stuff and kept learning Spanish. And so it was like, okay, I definitely want to go. And when I like retired or, quickening whatever you want to say it was just like oh, I'm definitely going traveling like I knew it was like an absolute 100% gonna go and um, and it was then fun and then I realized I think I just like grown in confidence and stuff and so didn't go on a tour and just like immediately went straight into solo traveling it was cool because then when I went back it was in 2023 so it was three years after I started learning Spanish like I could actually speak some Spanish which I think um augmented the experience because I could actually interact with locals and it was also very useful obviously to you know if you're stuck on a bus or you're in the middle of nowhere so I think the experience was definitely better having having learned Spanish and then in terms of what I kind of learned from it I don't know it's so funny because I feel like unless you've people that have been just you you don't really have to explain it you know there's like this it's just such a different experience and for me I mean I'd booked four nights and that was it of four and a half months and that's quite unlike me normally I'm pretty organized and like to have a plan but you just become such I think a good well I just became I think a very good version of myself because I was able to be spontaneous and you know, just chat to people and you just end up chatting to people from like all walks of life, which is just, I think, amazing. It is cliche, but you do you do learn a lot about yourself because you are having to make ev- all these decisions for yourself, but also, I think, like in uncomfortable situations. And it was cool to see, I kept like a journal throughout. I, I mean, at the start I was writing on it every day and by the end I was not, but like I wrote down what I was, feeling and you know in the first week I remember one night I went out for dinner on my own and I was just like kind of questioning myself quite a lot thinking people were judging me and blah 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 and by the end I was like oh thank goodness I'm on my own again I just it was so nice and I really liked my own company and just took my journal to like the actually my last night the people I was with in Mexico City had left um, and I didn't know anyone and I didn't have any energy to try and make new friends so I just went out for dinner had the whole day on my own went out for dinner on my own took my journal and like reflected on the trip and there's a few things that I wrote down before I left and I was like I think back in reality you're gonna get all these pressures and you're gonna it's gonna be really easy to revert back to normal like to I guess society's normal and forget what you've learned but I like wrote these things down I was like you know, I want to always remember this and have this as part of my life.
0: You know, it's really special. And I think when you come back and you leave an experience like that, you are, you're already under, you feel so much pressure that you're going to get back and you're suddenly going to just slot back into this routine, you know, because it's insane when you're away and you're doing your own thing and then you come back and, and I remember, yeah, the, the culture shock of coming home, you know, after nine months and, and worrying, I mean, likewise, I came back a very much a different person and yeah, we're always people that have traveled or backpacked are always so conscious about saying, um, you know, I found myself or it's just like, it's so true. It is true because until you're put under these situations with all these different types of people, sometimes that you can't avoid or you're thrown together. And you can be put in really, really difficult places. And through all of these situations, you are growing. But I think the fact that you were, you know, writing and you you obviously had gone away very open-minded in terms of the, you know, the conversations that you look at that we had. And I think, obviously, you had planned to go a few years before, so then that's in your head, you know, that want and need to go and do that trip. So you almost psych yourself up in a way, I think, for for a reasonable amount of time. Because likewise, I was meant to fly to South America in April, 2020, and then lockdown happened. The day I was gonna fly, I was gonna do like three months or something and just didn't happen.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I was gonna fly uh, Argentina and then just work my way up. And then just didn't happen. Um, everywhere was obviously shut down so I was the same then through throughout the next two years I was kind of building up this anticipation you know I as I well was on Duolingo every day learning Spanish I just had such a love for the for the language and to go to that part of the world and then you just go and then all of a sudden you're just thrown into it into this mad whirlwind of Where's this bus? Where's that person? Or, oh my gosh, what's that that's on my leg? Or, you know. It's just crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's
1: kind of funny. I So, because in Costa Rica, the the buses are, like, pretty decent. But, Mm. you know, you you just, I mean.
0: They were the worst buses that I've experienced in terms of schedules.
1: Worse than Nicaragua? Well, I guess Nicaragua, you didn't even have schedules. You just, like, it was just, like, there's a bus. I'll get on it. Yeah, they Plus, kind of
0: pull you onto a bus, don't they? The chicken buses.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a trust the process situation in Nicaragua. You just like get on a bus, kind of say where you're going, and then you'll be like shoved around between people. But somehow you get there. It actually works quite well.
0: Because the only experience I had was coming off Ometepe Island in my sling. Oh, yeah. And then oh. I had to do the bus journey to the capital, Managua, Managua, Managua. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? You know exactly where you're going with the buses. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What were you? What were you gonna say? I
1: was just gonna say, and I think you kind of just have to. You're just like, okay, well, this is gonna take all day. So you, you know, at home, you're like, oh, where's the next bus? Like, I need to get this. I need to get this because I need to get here. Well, I think you just are like, well. I don't need to be there anytime and the bus will come or it won't come and then we'll work it out and you just kind of like change or I changed my mindset and I only noticed it because um one of my best friends came out and uh to Nicaragua for three weeks when I was out there and she arrived and was like obviously still you know in UK mindset and was like oh well when's when's this happening when's this happening and I was like well It'll just it'll happen, like we'll get there, you
0: know. And like, but but I,
1: when? Think I hadn't yeah, but you hadn't realized that you had just like changed the mindset until you had like that stark comparison of someone who wasn't yet in it. I thought that was interesting.
0: But it can go either way, can't it? When you're out there, if if the stress is completely piled up, yes, it does help when you change your mindset on how to deal with certain things. And but then sometimes it's just impossible in it. Cause I'd started, I changed my mindset before that trip. And that was the first one, you know, I was doing, going into it generally, you know, living a more positive life. And I was very worried cause I'd quit smoking, uh, like the month before, et cetera. And there are all of these things that are innate to you. And, you know, I smoked for like 10 years and, and these things are on your mind as well. And even when I broke my elbow, I remember people like you or whatever messaging me and, because I was stranded on that island, luckily I had, <laughs> <laughs> freaking <laughs> hell, I lost my mind at points. But luckily I was with Maeve, our mutual, mutual Irish buddy, and she was, she was a godsend. And the chance is that her uncle was a fracture nurse back home and he was able to kind of, you know, diagnose. Was yeah. that too deep? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You diagnose a a fracture. Um, But I remember like once we'd split ways, once we finally got off that island after about four days and I got back to the capital and I was then stuck in a hotel for five days, just stuck in there. I did lose my mind a bit, but, but I was, I handled it so much differently to what it would have been like a year before or two years before. In what way? Because I was just accepting that the trip was over I was only 10 days in or something, nine days in when I, when I did it and I still had, you know, another 20 days meant to, I just accepted that that's happened. It wasn't, it couldn't have been avoided, you know, I wasn't drunk. It was, it had been a stressful day and my brain was like off its tits and that's why it happened. I was calm with the situation. I think obviously I wanted to get repatriated and, and the travel insurance was always get travel insurance. Always yeah, get oh my God, travel yeah. insurance. I would have not been able to, I don't even know how I would have got home. But yeah, I, it was just one day I had to, I was in the hospital for, oh God, it was like over 12 hours. I hadn't eaten, you know, low phone battery, trying to communicate with travel and trying to speak Spanish and translate. And and I broke down that day. I was so exhausted and I was so upset. But we <laughs> get through it, got through it.
1: But I mean, I think the... Like I met a lot of people on my trip and you like shone more than like, because you were so positive. And I remember in the second place that that we went, I remember asking you like, how are you so positive? And I hadn't actually kind of realized until then. And we have that conversation that you, that you had gone through this kind of process of changing your mindset to be in a positive mindset. And then I think I, like, laugh. I think I laughed more that day in La Fortuna that we had, the five of us, when we went to the waterfalls and stuff, I think, than, you know, I had laughed in any day in the last few years. Like, it was so funny. But I think it's one thing to say, oh, I've, I've changed my mindset and I've had a positive mindset, but then when something really pretty shit happens, like, you have a terror break your elbow on a remote volcanic island in Nicaragua, where, like... You know, and then you're stuck in in an other side of the world and everything that happened. I think to actually be able to keep that positive mindset. And I'd sent you a message when Maeve uh, told me that what had happened. And I was like, oh God, he must just be absolutely devastated. And, you know, you were like, no, you know, this happened. And, but yeah, I I was impressed because I think it's one thing saying it, but one, but another thing actually being able to kind of keep that when shit does hit the fan.
0: I think when it was happening as well, you know, I was impressed as well, I was extremely (laughs) shocked because I would not, you know, I just would not have dealt with any of that in the same way if that was like a year earlier, you know, each of those days I probably would have like chained like 30, 40 cigarettes or something. And then I would have felt so crap and I probably wouldn't have been eating. And I just would have been so uh, self, been sabotaging myself like, you idiot, you've ruined this experience. You were just about to go and do all of Nicaragua and it's pointless, whatever happens to you, you you can't change that. And Nicaragua wasn't gonna go away. I still would have the opportunity if I wanted to, to go back there. And I did still see like a bit of it, you know, they've got lovely hospitals and- (laughs) Lovely.
1: I think there there is a bit on that, you know, acceptance point. And I think for like a while, I was like, have you read the book, The um, the Midnight Library? I've told you about it so many times. I can see that face. You're like, you've told me about this five
0: times already. Yes, because I do. I really wanted to read it. Yeah.
1: I think I had been like, free because I kind of mentioned that I had shoulder surgery, knee surgery, and just loads of bumps in the road in my athletic career. And I think for a while, I was like, just angry about it. And I was just like or regretted doing things the way I did or, you know, wished I could go back and change it. And it doesn't really help. Like you you can't go back and change it. Sure, you can learn from it. But I think that like acceptance piece is like a big, it basically stops the pointless worry or it stops all the bad things that are going around in your mind because you're like, well, this is where we are now. How can we, How can we go forwards?
0: And when you're appreciating yourself and you're actually you know, loving yourself, you realize that it's not healthy, that you wouldn't speak to a dear friend or a family member in that way if they'd they'd slipped up or done something wrong. Because you have that appreciation, that respect, that love for them. So then when you start to flip that, I don't want to treat myself like that. I don't deserve that. So that's what people can take away from Crap situations like that, you know, just go easy on yourself. Are you looking for one-on-one coaching in self-discovery, confidence-building, and a positive mindset reset? Well, look no further, my friend, and good on you wanting to make a change. That's why I'm here. Drop by my website and fill out an online form for a free 30-minute consultation with me, obviously. We'll talk through what it is in your life you want to change and how we can get you thriving as an authentic version of you. I did it, and so can you. All I ask is you bring honesty, you show up as yourself, and in turn, I'll give you the support you need to transform your life, you beautiful badass. Go to www.resetwithtom.com and follow the link for your free consultation. I'm a friend. This is what I love to do and I'm here to help you. See you there. But in terms of because I mean w- with your career as an athlete you you've mentioned that not a big part of that but part of that always was injury and especially further down the line correct? Mm. Yeah. So how were you, you were in the same position of going, because we had this conversation when we were away and I remember you saying that, you know, it was incredibly hard on yourself and it changed your path a bit in the end, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I guess a bit of context, I um, had made the junior British team when I was at school, then took a like took a year out to train full-time between school and uni and I had accepted a place at Edinburgh, and in 2014 and then that summer I think because I'd had a really good winter of training that summer I I made the senior team for the first time the senior British team for the first time and so went suddenly went away to went from doing two junior races international races in the year to eight races because it was the senior world's the senior Europeans the under 23 worlds under 23 Europeans and then five world cups so it was just you know, absolute chaos. And then it kind of, I mean, it was like the most exciting thing that could possibly happen. And I remember at the end of the year after the World Champs, we had like a team debrief. And I remember saying like to everyone and I was 18 and, you know, it was
0: all... Just bossing it.
1: Well, I remember saying to everyone, like this has been the best year of my life, but then got like a lot of pressure to move down south because like the, all of British Canoeing is based in, um, Uh, in lee valley in north london at the whitewater course there but i had accepted this um i had accepted like to to study in edinburgh and i was really passionate about wanting to wanting to have a good degree and i knew that there would be an end to an athletic career at some point and so then spent four years going back and forth up and down the road every summer i moved to london for like three and a half months of uni holidays every every weekend I was training somewhere or if I had a few extra days I'd be down south Um, and then was on the senior team for those years and actually like got my best results those years that I was at uni and then did my last semester of uni based in London just did things from a distance because I just had my dissertation and was like ready like I've done uni I've got that the way I'm always going to have that I'm ready to be a full-time athlete now and then within one week got told that I was like had missed a first by 0.28 percent and was told I need to take six months out of the boat for to re- recover from injury and I just was like fuck you world <laughs> um but then but I was like s- super kind of positive about it because I was like well I'm gonna use this time to get my shoulder better it was a shoulder injury that I had get my shoulder better blah 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 but I'd always kind of wanted to I I felt like everything I was doing was very selfish like I was doing uni for me I was in canoeing for me and I really wanted to do something for other people but I knew when I was at uni I just you know I didn't even have time to think let alone do anything else and so that was uh, August 2018 that was when I started my organization called Salma Spars which is like to get more well inspire and empower women and girls through canoeing and so started by running an event that year for the girls for our sports we had like 60 girls come from all over the uk to the lee valley whitewater course we had um you know everyone got like we made a logo everyone got like t-shirts we did girls on the canoeing sessions we had females come in and coach we had all these workshops things about like different careers in sport you know not just being an athlete along there was also like studying alongside canoeing and um, body image that sort of thing i think that that changed my life because then the subsequent years were more injury, like the shoulder didn't work and I had like, taking time out of the boat and I had to have surgery on it and then it, that didn't work. And it was like some very, some pretty dark times in terms of like, just being in pain every day doing you know, not, not being able to canoe, but also not being able to like wash my hair without being in shoulder pain. Or like, I remember turning over in bed, like if you wanted to pull the duvet up over your shoulder, that would be too sore. And I couldn't sleep on my right side, you know, like, and when that's gone on for a few years, I think that does take a bit of a mental toll.
0: It's really intense because you're spending the majority of your year in this severe pain. And the pain is also reminding you of what you can't do.
1: Yeah. And I think that's it as well. because So you get your funding based on achieving results. So that was always in the back of my mind. And that was why I I started a a business to import canoes and kayaks into the UK and paddles in 2019. Because I was worried I was going to get dropped off funding because if I didn't make the results. I think it's like, you know, for my whole life since I was eight years old, I wanted to go to the Olympics. And so then when you're in an environment where everyone around you is... Or your competitors training and getting better, you're not able to do that. And at one point, I, I remember in 2019 thinking like, "Oh, I'm just gonna have shoulder pain for the rest of my life." Like, I'd quite like to, you know, do loads of things in my life after canoeing, and I just thought like, "Oh, this is just gonna be." It felt like endless, and I was so angry with canoeing. I was like, "I shouldn't like, you know, things like I shouldn't have started it because I wish I'd never started it because it wouldn't have caused me this much pain." I, and I remember chatting to Etienne Stott, who he won the Olympics in 2012. He's a really, really good guy. And he said, well, you know, with your Slalom and Spars girls, because at this point, we'd, I'd kind of made Slalom and Spars an organisation and was like, we're run, I was running events and I felt really, you know, really connected to like the grassroots community and the girls in the sport. And he said to me like, well, would you tell your Slalom and Spars girls that there's only like going to the Olympics is the only point in canoeing. And I was like, well, no, obviously not. It's about, you know, falling in love with a sport. It's about being outside. It's about making friends, About gaining confidence, like getting to travel the world. And he was like, well, like maybe you should kind of think about that yourself. I think that was like a bit of a, I wouldn't say light bulb. Yeah, I started this. I know that I need to change my mindset. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I was like,
0: is it like a, it was, it's a moment where everything's so internal, you know, you're getting doctors yeah. and whatever telling you what's, what's wrong with you right now and, and what you can't do, but then when someone just has a discussion where they hear what you say and, and you're talking about traveling the world, uh, the confidence, everything, I think sometimes it's just that moment where someone is kind of hearing you and they give some massive advice yeah. that you're not even aware is advice.
1: Yeah and I think as well like you hear yourself say that like why would I give someone else that advice you know you can get so much from sport if I like can't take that myself and I think kind of what I was alluding to earlier where it's like that acceptance like okay well this is where we are like this has been shit the last few years have been pretty hard on my body and my mind but they are what they are and you know sometimes my brain would just go down these rabbit holes like oh you shouldn't have gone to uni because you you could have spent all those times where you know you weren't injured training in at a better facility and i was like well if i hadn't gone to uni i wouldn't have met these my friends that you know my uni friends are like my people like they yeah they'll all be my friends for life and i wouldn't have gained the skills that and confidence that i would have had to start slalom as bars or start my business northbourne and so then i was like well you would you change all of that just for this maybe chance that you could have stood on a few more podiums? And I was like, well, no. So okay, well, if that's if that's the reality you're accepting, and you have to accept it anyway because you can't change it, now it's like, okay, well, where can we go from here? And I think that that was a big, a big shift, and then my recovery as well.
0: It's crazy because um, so many people. Well, how many you know athletes who have been in similar, whether it's canoeing. Do you think experience? Thing, do you think you just got you just got this card handed to you, or or is it something massive that affects lots of athletes to the to this degree?
1: I think injury is is just massive, and you know you don't you, you hear about <laughs> this. Also, annoyed me is the narrative that you hear around injury from the media is this person was great, they got injured, it was really hard, they had a tough time, they came back, and then they won the Olympics. So then, like, you know, when you're injured and you're not getting better, if this is the only narrative you have, you you kind of, you don't feel seen. Mm. But actually, the reality is there's hundreds and thousands of athletes probably that injury has stopped their career, or they've been going up and injuries happened and you know they've never they've never got back to or things like that or and of course there's the ones that did get back to it but they're not like the bright eyed stories that are going to sell on newspapers not anyone reads newspapers anymore but you know like websites or anything like that like those aren't super inspiring so I think I felt like I I wasn't active but I just had to I had to start valuing myself for more than an athlete because I thought well I'm not going to if I can't get back from this, I I can't finish canoeing like this because I'll hate it forever and I'll hate myself and I'll think that I was a failure because I, you know, I didn't achieve these goals as an athlete. So I had to start valuing myself for like who I am and what I stand for. And of course, like being an athlete and wanting to achieve in canoeing was part of that, but it certainly wasn't everything.
0: And it's admirable how you... You know, you talk about how you obviously had dark moments with it and there were really low points, but your head very much seems to be level as you're going through it. And I mean, what's what's canoeing in your life right now as as opposed to then?
1: I think also it's really easy to look back and talk about it Mm. with like I guess a bit more of a logical mindset like I can certainly say that I wasn't like that through it all I came back from injury in 2021 I raced again I raced GB trials I came fourth so I missed the team but I got to race the world cup again and that felt amazing it was like I have given everything I possibly could to get back on the start line and it just felt like you know, I was just I was grateful to even be on the star line, let alone like actually, obviously wanted to do well, but it wasn't about that. Then, kind of late twenty twenty one, I spiraled quite quickly into a, um into depression and um which I had had when I was eighteen, but I I was like lost with if I wanted to keep canoeing or not, and I think it really took me by surprise, like how quickly I became I I was struggling. And worked through that, and was very grateful to have the support, you know, of um a psychiatrist and British canoeing and people like that. Like I was very supported, and so, um, they were able to kind of I was able to work through that and work through the decision to stop canoeing, wow. um, which I kind of came to in the start of last year, like twenty twenty two. But what's canoeing now to me? Now I still run projects for Slam Inspires. I love being connected to those grassroots. I i'm really grateful that i'm still a role model to a lot of my girls and you know i would ca- i care more that they that i could inspire them that i care about um like i didn't go to the olympics olympic trials were in 2019 for the 2020 olympics which ended up being 2021 olympic trials were in 2019 i came fourth uh, and one person goes to the olympics but like i care more I wouldn't swap having done everything I've done with Islam bars or like, you know, being a role model to, the, to like my girls to have gone to the Olympics, which like that dream was really, really big in my head. And so that like to say that I think is quite, um quite something. And I'm so glad that I think that that saved my relationship with, with sport because I think I really could have easily left really angry and never wanted to come back. And i'm really grateful that i didn't leave it like that but i also don't think that i've fully worked through like some of the i don't want to say demons because that's not very but like some of the yeah i think some things are still too hard to look back on i was thinking about that the other day actually that i'd I'd like to like chat to someone about that i feel like that would be useful to like because i want to be able to look back and be happy with it all despite you know everything which is maybe optimistic
0: but but yeah you were talking to me then and being real open about you being depressed you know that's only two years ago and you know it's so it's so it's so recent and and everyone everyone is on these different timelines you know and and we're constantly learning and growing so when you say you want someone to talk to about, about moments in your career, do you mean, or, or just things that you've boxed away or? It
1: feels like, actually my my boss asked me, because um, I've got a big girl job now, um, that's a new thing. Yeah, you do. Um, but my boss asked me the other day at our Christmas dinner, he said, do you still feel like an athlete? But I thought it was a really good question. And... I said like honestly it feels like a different life I think sometimes it's hard to look back on that and not think what if and so I would love to get to a point where I've just accepted everything that that it was and I don't think I'm there yet but I think that that's also okay because I do feel like you know people talk a lot about athlete transition and I feel like I'm only doing mine now because so in 2022 I did a whole bunch of different jobs I had my business still I was working for a charity doing school talks you know I did like loads of different jobs was coaching as well but I was always going traveling and that was like the next thing and I, I genuinely never considered that at some point I would come back from traveling like there would be life after it I'd kind of thought like well maybe like I don't know. I honestly hadn't even crossed my mind. And so when I came back in June, I was like hit with like, whoa, okay, now I, now what's next? Like now what? what's life? And so I think whenever I look back on canoeing and it's kind of hard sometimes or I get those what ifs or I like crave it a bit, then I'm like,
0: oh, it's like, it's okay.
1: I think you just need to like be patient with yourself.
0: That's it. And everyone has it to a degree, you know, not necessarily exactly the same as you, but we all have those questions about old lives we led or previous paths that we were on. You know, and I, I would do it so much because I feel very much a completely different person to the one that left for nine months of traveling and I did come back a completely different person. You can look back on decisions and you can look back on... How you were physically, mentally, whatever it might be. But the main thing is those decisions that you made put you to where you are now, and you're still doing incredible things. Even if they weren't aesthetically like incredible, you still are because you're here and you're being you. Like you're giving people Ailey and the fact that what drives you so much is is doing these things for other people and your girls. And it might have not been to the degree it is now if you had continued, you know, there's always going to be what ifs. But when we get to a point of, as you were saying, doesn't have to be now, doesn't have to be next year. It can be, you know, in friggin' 10 years. But when we get to a point of not torturing ourselves with the what ifs and the maybes, and we kind of just look at where we are and what we're doing and what we want to be doing, mm-hmm. you could live 10 different lives in your life, you know, and, that, and that's just a massive part of your life. And it's always going to be a part of you. And yeah, it's going to be difficult to look back at moments of it because Not everything is rosy. You can't look back on everything and put a positive tint on it. Um, But it's just important that we don't box things because that's when it goes toxic. You know, it's 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 just accepting those and things come together. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right in terms of like that. You can live ten different lives. I think like when I was canoeing, I felt old. You know, when I was like, so there's and then 23 category and after that you're a senior and I felt old when I was 24 because I felt like oh, I was a senior and you know you've got more criteria to hit to get your funding every year and stuff like that uh, and now I look back I'm like 24 like you're so young and sometimes I feel so I'm 28 now and sometimes I feel like God, oh, like I'm getting old but like I know when I'm you know 35 I'm gonna look back and be like oh 28 like that's so young and so I think I think there's a bit around and something I'm trying to do is being like, this is where I'm at right now. I'm not old. I'm not young. I'm just here and trying to like live the kind of what I was saying at the start, like live with awareness and actively make my life what I want it to be, whether that's, you know, making big decisions or also, I don't know, popping in and seeing a friend or something, you know, things that give you energy. And so there is going to be different versions of life and that's, Like kind of what you said like you could have lots but to appreciate like where you are in your life at the moment
0: yeah and it just makes your book a whole lot more interesting by the end (laughs) like you know Mm. it massively it really really does yes so obviously as we established earlier you're not from england you're from scotland so where the beautiful scotland and tell me about your love of water like when did it happen because this is such a massive part of you how did you get into it
1: beautiful Scotland that um, you quickly told me about your experience with the Midgeys.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty traumatic. traumatic. So I grew up in like a tiny little village um, between Perth and Edinburgh uh, and we just, mom, my parents did canoeing, that's like how they met. I mean they were full-blown cringe, had like people held paddles as they walked out the church when they got married, like it's you know,
0: keen. Everyone brought <laughs> Ke- paddles to the <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: herd. yeah, wow. and held them in like an arch.
0: Um, oh wow go then
1: yeah full uh full-blown like love canoeing so my brother and i were really just kind of dragged up on the river but like hated it because it was oh it was always freezing and it was mum and dad's sport uh and then i did swimming i really liked swimming and saw the olympics when i was eight years old and was like i wanted to go to the olympics for swimming I went to a race when I was 13. I went to canoeing race and had really been doing competitive swimming. I went to canoeing race and I just ended up winning it because I'd done it, you know, from when I was quite young and I was also against like nine year olds when I was 13 and like made friends quite quickly. Whilst I felt like swimming was a really, honestly like quite a bitchy atmosphere and it just was not like that in canoeing. It was so chill. I made like a really good group of friends quite quickly and that was what brought me back. And I remember, like, in English, I don't in English at school, we did a project and we got to choose a topic and I did mine on swimming. And I remember watching all these videos of, like, Michael Phelps and stuff and Rebecca Adlington and they were saying, like, how much they love training. And I just could not understand it. I just thought they were lying. And then I started canoeing and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is really fun. And, like, we used to... There was, like, a group of four of us and we used to, like, message, be like, okay, who can, like, convince their parents to take us up to the river this weekend? Like, we just absolutely loved it and then i went from like kayak so in canoe slalom you have two categories you've got kayaking where you sit down you've got two blades on your paddle and c1 is where you kneel you're strapped into your boat and you've got a single blade on your paddle and i started that when i was 15 and no girls were doing it it hadn't been in the olympics yet for women uh so i started in 2011 2010 was the first time that it was in the world championships basically you just got slagged off the whole time like everyone just said like oh i see when women are shit and like the standard was lower because you know men had been doing it for 50 years and we had just been allowed to do it they'd literally just created a women's category before that people were were paddling in the men's category so then i started doing that and i loved it like the feeling where you're like flying across the waves and you like switch your paddle between your hand and you just like you enter like that just right for the gate to like pull around it it's like it's like nothing else I bet and I absolutely yeah I just fell in love and then I was like completely obsessed and swimming quite quickly had to tell my swimming coach that I um which that was it felt like a big decision to stop swimming because it had been my dream for when I was like really wee but no just canoeing was clearly my my sport and like it it was kind of pretty brute like sometimes i like struggled with my confidence but i think that was cause um you know growing up people were just saying that c1 women were shit because and and then when i was then laterally on british team and stuff um you know people didn't want to put c1 women on because it wasn't olympic sport yet people didn't want to put c1 women on the tv so you'd be racing at like 7 30 a.m in like slovak winter and it'd be like minus two and snowing because they didn't want to put you on the TV broadcast. But I think because like there was quite a lot of adversity, we like, assuming women like internationally really created like this amazing community where when you'd see see another one, you'd like smile and like immediately kind of have this connection. And then we were all like fighting for inclusion in the Olympics, which eventually happened in 2020. So 2020 was the first time, or 2021 Olympics was the first time that there was equal opportunities for men and women in Canoe at the Olympics, like that's ins- it, literally insane.
0: That that's, was two that's years old. ago. Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> what
0: was that? I thought I saw a face <laughs> at the window uh, by the woods. That's really weird. <laughs> it's just, it's okay. <laughs> oh wow, that really messed.
1: Please don't edit that out
0: was really weird it was like i hallucinated are we okay are you okay yeah <laughs> oh wow huh. okay sorry so that you said that was crazy <laughs> 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 sorry continue face um,
1: gone i was just saying like that's insane like there was an equal opportunity for men and women and i think that's why i could care about you know inc- making sport more inclusive and diverse like that's what my job is now is to make more sport more inclusive i think because like i i I know what it's like like i won olympic selection in 2016 but didn't go to the olympics because i was
0: a woman so i know what it's like to it's it's just yeah it's difficult because you you almost think you know when you're talking about that and you don't want to kind of fuel that with like anger or but it's a massive driving force for everything that you're Mm -hmm. doing is for this equal opportunities equal rights and that's what you know that's what you're amazingly instilling into your girls and and they will take on your your morals and ethics further down the line you know mm. hopefully they'll teach the next generation and these freaking men just get their shit together
1: i think for me it's like yeah it's equal opportunity but it's also like equal sense of belonging above all else I want girls to feel like sport is for them and whether that's canoe slalom obviously I would love that but any sport I want them to feel like they 100% belong in sport and sport needs them and wants them
0: it's a massive part of it and that's that's exactly it How, how you say it you know that sport wants you sport needs you
1: and like sport values your contribution And I think that's where that's disappointing, you know, there's these comments at the moment about can women um, commentate on football by some arsehole, I don't even know who is, but, you know, that's, I mean, that's obviously just bigotry, but it just adds to, adds to this rhetoric that sport doesn't value women. And I think, you know just in everything that I want to do And, and as you said like what I want to kind of instill with my girls in the hope that they feel like this sport is for them and they feel really valued and they feel seen because there's other girls doing it and that they'll just do that for the next generation and already you can see you know when I was 15 and I started C1 there was one other person in the whole of Scotland doing it and people told us we were shit all the time and people told us that we shouldn't do it but now, and one of the projects that I'm running with Slam and in Scotland is about getting more girls into C1. And now, because of this project, we've we've got 30 girls paddling C1 in Scotland and they'll never have to grow up feeling that C1's not for them because they're just surrounded by girls paddling C1 and us buying on that it's super cool. And I think that they'll continue to do that. Like you can see already the older girls doing that for the younger ones. And so... I think to create atmospheres in sport that people feel like truly valued and truly feel like they belong.
0: And
1: I think that's what like drives me. That's what I love doing.
0: And I suppose, and you think back, it's like how you might be treated in school or teachers who say you're not going to succeed. I suppose you think about these irrelevant men that tell you, you know, they, they try and use their pathetic little weak power of telling you that you're shit when actually, nah, Mm -hmm. No, you're a motherfucking superhero. Like it, it's, it's crazy, but can you see any changes happening?
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, there's massive changes in the last it also depends on what scale you're talking about. We've we've got so far to go in terms of women's sport being as respected, as funded girls feeling like they belong as much but even in the last sort of 10 years i've seen indescribable change that no one said that we could do and then you know the first time someone women come to the olympics it was told it couldn't come to the olympics because the standard wasn't high enough and the first times it comes into the olympics in 2021 it's like the most competitive category between in the medals so i think but it just takes people having courage and having role models like the role models that I had in the girls that were in that, that wave that really they competed in the men's category before the women's category was existed. And they've just like pushed the boundaries and asked the questions. And I think that's what I'm trying to do because they I can see them and that gives me the bravery to push the boundaries and ask the questions. And I hope that I can do that for other people.
0: You absolutely do. It's not about can girl (laughs) you are girl (laughs) you know there's so many so many people that look up to you and it is incredible we've got to. it's sad because we've got to start wrapping up now but it's been an honor having you on and talking about what you've spoken about and i think that's what we've spoken about in the past 10 minutes is such a massive factor of this and people like you have this drive and have this determination about these massively important factors that have affected us in our lives. But more importantly, we don't want to affect other people. And that comes with your love for people, comes with your love for the sport and just kind of humanity, like people be good humans. Your girls are going to be super proud of you. And like I said before, they're going to take all of this on and take it further. And hopefully, not hopefully, but I know this will empower other people to consider what they're passionate about as well. And things maybe in their careers that they don't like and that we should be speaking up and we should be using that that fuel that we have effectively to make change in what we love.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, if all of us give a helping hand to one person or, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to change the world. But if you change like one person's world, then that you've you've changed their world. And so I think that, that collectively we can all do more of that. And then the good thing about it is it makes you
0: feel good. Yeah, it really does. And also what this shows us is that, I mean in life, we've probably been face to face with each other for probably not even more than like 50 hours. Right. Yeah, And it's insane because this shows the connections you can have with people. Mm -hmm. And I'm incredibly grateful to have you in my life. The
1: same back. And I'm really, yeah, I I told you like immediately, I was like, you're absolutely amazing. Like I want to be your friend and- You're amazing. (laughs) I want to be
0: your friend. (laughs)
1: But um, no, really, it's been like such an honor to be part of this. And I'm so excited. I've loved Reset with Tom and everything that comes out. And then I deleted Instagram for a while and I was missing your stuff. So I had to go find you on TikTok. Yeah, it's just been such an honor. That makes me happy. I'm so excited to see
0: where you go because I think that you are so inspiring. Yeah, well, you kicked this off. If it wasn't for that little chat in that storm ridden Monteverde in Costa Rica, (laughs) you know, I wouldn't have taken it to this level, but no, I do owe a lot to you and I'm very grateful uh, to have you on here and thank you for just taking the time, being honest and, and telling us a bit about your life because that's what this is all about. The feeling is a thousand percent mutual. Oh my gosh. Oh, I wanted to ask you really quickly. Okay, so have you ever done any open water canoeing? Uh, like in the ocean? Um, a little bit, not too much. Okay, so say you were marooned. In okay. a canoe in the middle of the ocean, what like three items would you take? Would you have on you? What to survive? To survive, for... yes. You spend a lot of time in these canoes. What three items would you have?
1: Uh, like a water purifier.
0: Very good. Take.
1: Um, oh, I don't know. A good book.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know. Like, are you gonna what? die? <laughs>
0: don't get aware okay you said um, it so book water purifier uh,
1: chocolate buttons because if you're going to die
0: then you need to at least be enjoying eating chocolate buttons okay these are great choices i feel like you are going to be rescued very soon so there you go I, I hope so full stomach and a brain full of knowledge from your book excellent <laughs> right ailey thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and have an awesome rest of your day Thank you so much, Tom. You too. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You've been listening to Reset with Tom, the podcast with me, Tom Metcalf. If you want to find out more about the guests I have on each of my shows, take a look at the episode description on whatever app you're listening on, and you'll find all the relevant info and links on that legend. You can follow me on Instagram at Reset with Tom. I put a lot of work into this gig, so please always show love, show your support, give me a follow or a star review, and that would just be amazing. If the core of this show has resonated with you, please share your thoughts on my socials. And if you would like to feature on Reset with Tom, the podcast, you know what to do. Just drop me a message. I would love to hear from you, because remember, you are all inspirational. The theme music of the show is the incredible track Comes in Waves by Total Giovanni. Thank you so much for letting me use your sound, guys. The song is very important to me. Reset with Tom is produced by me, and I will be here every Wednesday. So get that reminder set. See you next week, beautiful people.